Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deaker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. All right. And Rebecca, I hear you have a scoop for us today. I had to go there. Sorry. <laughs> it's funny because A, it's funny that you can't pronounce my name, but B, um, I'm thrilled to be actually getting to do the one thing when we started talking about what our focus would be for our summer podcast. I kept saying, I want to do some rip from the headlines. And you're like, what? And I could not get you out of those journal articles, <laughs> but I am, I am going to um, share an article that I read online and we will um, hopefully have the link to it in the, in our information line. And this article is called sent home early lost learning in special education. Now this is from a website called disability scoop. So if you're like me and you like to just see like, what's the latest, what's happening. Disability scoops, a good website for, and it'll pull in different articles, wide variety of topics. So if you're interested in just reading light articles, you know, in the special ed realm, it's an example of a good place that you could just log into when you want to and read a few articles. So in this particular one, this, this, this article is about uh, this controversial practice of cutting the school day short for some kids because of their behavior. And I'm not talking about cutting the school day short um, just, you know, incidentally when things happen, I'm talking about, schools unilaterally saying, okay, well, we're going to shorten your child's day to half day because, you know, she doesn't have the behavior to maintain it all day long. And the, the article starts talking about one specific um, little girl who didn't even have, she was not labeled with, um, she didn't have an IEP yet. Um, but when she was in school, she got in trouble for not listening, um, hitting, Etc. And her parents wanted to get her special ed designation so that she could get supports. But instead, the school administrator said that, no, this little girl can't handle full days. So we're going to put her on half days. So this is really controversial because it's actually um, goes against the law, for one thing. Um, yes, there's this thing called IDEA. Yeah, yes. Well, and again, even if it's even, even beyond IDEA, because she wasn't labeled yet, but, you know, advocates would say that um, free appropriate public education, you know, just for anyone. And so this parent kept arguing, well, what are you, what are you talking about? And so a couple of things to unpack here, Lisa, you know, first of all, from the, from the school side, I understand you have a kid who comes to school and she has behaviors far from the norm and you, you can't have her hitting people and all of these things. And you don't want to keep everybody safe. I totally get it, but you know, and I know that instructional time is the highest correlate with achievement in school. So if you reduce someone's instructional time, you are by default reducing their opportunity to learn, you know, yeah. so it becomes a real a controversial case. And, and, you know, from according to this article, there are this wasn't an isolated incident. Um, there's, you know, kids who have been kind of quietly set to the side and had their school days shortened. Um, and now it's, it's really 
front and center. And it's topical right now too, because now with online learning, our school's going to do this and say, well, we're providing your, your content online. So come half day and we'll force you to go half day. You know, I think it brings up a lot of issues. So Lisa, what are, what are your thoughts in general about the idea of just, you, you know, making a decision to restrict a student's school day? Well, I'm going to go back to my favorite philosopher, and that is Dewey, who says, you know, look not for the fault of the child, but in the teaching of the child. And, you know, uh, I, I never as a teacher or a parent felt like I failed, but I always would pivot and say, but if my child or my student is acting that way, what can I choose to do differently? So I got a little glasser in there too. <laughs> and I think if you really look at what we often see as the top expert in a school, which we often see as a BCBA, a certified behavior analyst, that person doesn't come in and make the kids stop. They look at what's causing the behavior and a pathway to change that between the adult and the child. And so I do think from my own personal experience and from often the experience when I work with families is often the student is the one who is expected to change instead of the system. And I think this half day is another chance to blame the child. Well, if we just make you go home earlier, you'll be better. Well, no, I'm not any better. You just didn't have to put up with me the other half of the day. And so I think we're missing that really critical piece that you and I both think is so important. Now we're getting a little heavy here. So I'll try to go back to light, but it's social emotional learning. Like that's what we dislike about summer. Like, I don't know about you, but (laughs) the summer, the kids that come back and be like, what happened to your ability to walk in the door and not say, Hey, butthead instead of hi, Mrs. Steaker, you know? So a lot of retraining has to happen. And so kids getting shorter time also is less time to teach that critical piece right. when you start an IEP with just social emotional learning. So that, that's my, my nerdy yeah, I mean, side. Yeah. And in the, in the case of this family, you know, the article kind of kicks off with this one family and, you know, in this case, they did end up getting their daughter identified with an emotional impairment so that she could at least get services and have an IEP. Um, they did, you know, put her, part part day in a separate class. Um, but they also, you know, the school tried to write into her behavior intervention plan that she would be picked up early if she couldn't get her behavior under control and the parent refused to sign. So oh, my know. favorite is I'm calling your mother. Do you know how many times the teachers called me and I'm like, and I'm in a podcast with Rebecca Hines. Let's see if I can say it right that time and, <laughs> <laughs> with Becky. And, and what am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed, you know, I can put them on the phone, but, but I think oftentimes when the adult gets desperate, we need to step back, take a deep breath and say, what can we do to recalibrate? And, and, you know, again, when somebody says I need to send a kid home early, my question is, so what have you done now? It's very different if that's what the team wants. You know, I I think we got to be reminded. That's a a really good mom and dad and and the school together might say, look, a half a day is all this child medically can handle because they're medically fatigued. That's a very right. different statement than you will leave early or I want my child to leave early. It's really got to be that partnership. Which yeah, is really I think, I think that's kind of my takeaway from this too, because there's another family who's, who's cited in here, who had kind of a, a, you know, a young, young man with autism and um, he did have an IEP and, you know, they did meet to determine whether reducing his school day 
was something appropriate for some of the reasons that you just mentioned. Now, in in this other family's case, though, they and several others that are cited in the article, the problem was it was written in there and the parents were kind of led to believe that this was something that would gently be scaffolded. Mm-hmm. And then the problem is once they do it, they just don't take it out of the IEP. So the kid ends up with reduced time ongoing. Yeah. And I, I tell you, you just hit on like my, like, I, I like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. So if you could see us on this podcast, because that is one of my pet peeves in the world is we remove kids without a reentry plan. And I did see that word here, you know, again, IDA, the Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act said we're supposed to give the least restrictive, but what happens is once kids are moved, we never bring them back. And I know we've said this before, there is no self-contained McDonald's or Hardee's. I haven't seen a sign yet that says only kids that have bad behavior can eat here or work here or live here. And so we know society is the goal, but I do love the word in here that was, and you just said it again, is this re-entry. Again, what is the phase back to general ed? But too many schools remove kids and don't have a plan for returning them, whether it's half a day or it's just to take them out for a reading intervention. Uh, And, you know, being a parent myself, I can't tell you how many times, oh, he'll need more. I'm like, I know you want to give him more because you want to put up with him less. (laughs) I respect that. But at the same time, that more isn't better than having friends and liking yourself and learning how to persevere when tasks are hard, which we just, you know, in the earlier podcasts talked about being successful in life. So I do think reentry is missing. Reentry is definitely missing. And, you know, even back to your point, and it's what we've been talking about often recently, um, we do need to look at the environment. Yes, I'm aware. It's we don't, I'm not saying that we want someone to pose a threat to other students by biting and kicking, et cetera. However, I don't want those things to happen when that person's an adult or, as you said, in the fast food restaurant or anywhere else where he's going to get arrested for it either. So someone has to be supporting this child and someone has to be trying to help this child. And if the parents, believe me, if the parents had the skill to do it, they would have already changed it because that behavior is not fun for them either. So, you know, we understand it's an issue, but maybe we need to think differently about, you know, what kind of supports we we're providing in our school and, you know, what we can do to support the kids. And now one of the other things, Lisa, that was interesting in here to me um, was this idea of, of reporting. So um, one of the, one of the advocates who cited in here, um, in, in finally pushed the, the government in 2016 to re- release some guidelines that at least clarified that if people were going to send kids home, you know, as a part of their reduced school time, that it had to be reported. And um, but they, they so far have stopped short of requiring it to be reported. So there's, there's guidance out there, but it's nothing that has been formally um, imposed. And so um, bottom line is it, it is an issue. I think it's going to increasingly be an issue now that there's other online uh, opportunities for the actual content. So it's time to think about what, what can we do besides just having people keep their children home? What can we do differently so the kids are getting the support they need? Well, and I'm going to end with a, a lighthearted laugh. So I actually pulled up one of my son's report cards. It's something I use quite often. He'll probably 
not listen to this podcast is my hope, but, but this was a, a true report card. I won't say what grade, but I, I'm reading you this because I want to remind teachers <clears throat> that, that these words have lasting impressions, but I also want to remind parents that your words to teachers and administrators also have lasting impressions. And, and I really think it's a partnership, but this was on a report card. Josh is very bright but has great difficulty following directions. I was like, check, knew that already. And I wanted to say, so what are you doing about that? And attending. He is often, are you ready? This is where it gets funny. He is often hitting or annoying other children <laughs> and is frequently unaware of his antics until after the fact. And immediately I read that and I thought, well, first of all, I'm not gonna let him read that. But I read that and thought, yeah, because he doesn't know how to make the right choice because this was when he was very young and he's very delayed as the word maturation and he's really, really small. So guess what? We got to teach him that. And that's what I think we have to remember is shortened days, uh, negative comments on report cards, attacking teachers for not understanding. It's really not about that. It's meant to be a partnership and to say, what can we do together so that you're not annoying when you become an adult or you don't have antics of hitting others and you don't know after the fact. I think that's the key word is that many of the behaviors we see, we're upset because kids don't understand after the fact. They're only going to understand if we teach them before the fact, what's the right choice. And And a quote from this article that fits in with what you just described. Um, one, of the, one of the parents said, you know, the school found that his profound needs to be a sign that he needed less schooling. When a child's struggling with reading, you don't try less. Yeah. And so I do think, you know, it, it does become, you know, what is the role of schools? What are we attempting to do? And ultimately, yeah, we we want people to be successful and safe, but we want that to be the case in society at large. So I'm on board with schools doing everything we can. If parents could solve it at home, they would. And parents aren't in the same conditions as schools where there's lots of people around. So you don't see all the same behaviors at home either, but you do in the world. All right. Well, uh, love it. Uh, Becky, we got a little deep on that one, uh, even though it was a, a great current event. And so again, do check out Disability Scoop. And if you have questions for us, please send us a tweet at Access Practical or send us a note on our Facebook page. <laughs>